Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811 well the figures are coming in and they demonstrate what you already know the economy is in free fall we have what even the media call a scorching hot inflationary period scorching hot the worst inflation in 40 years. In 40 years. Up 9.1% in June. Even more than expected. The consumer price index. Then we're going to get the producer price index. That is the wholesale price. So-called core prices, which exclude more volatile measurements of food and energy, most of you eat, don't you? Most of you use energy, don't you? But they like to talk about this as core. Climbed 5.9% from the previous year. And they rose 0.7%, almost 1% on a monthly basis. Now, 0.7% on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, is a massive increase. It's 10%, suggesting that underlying inflationary pressures remain strong and widespread. Here's a breakdown of where Americans are seeing prices rise the fastest, as they report. Energy prices rose 7.5% in June. That's month to month. 7.5% in June from the previous month. Energy prices as a whole are up 41.6% from last year. Gasoline, on average, costs 59.9% more than it did one year ago. 11.2% more than it did in May. The average price for a gallon of gasoline is $4.63 nationwide. 
down from a high of $5.01 in mid-June, but it's a big jump from just one year ago when the average price was $3.14. And by the way, the Heritage Foundation reports that the average family income, the average family has lost $6,800 to inflation across the board. Set $6,800. The sharp rise in gas prices has become one of the most noticeable impacts of this very hot inflation on American daily lives. In all, fuel oil prices actually fell 1.2% on a monthly basis, but over the course of the year, they're still up a stunning 98.5%. Not just all energy, fuel. Up 98.5%. Natural gas prices, meanwhile, surged 8.2% in June. That's month to month. 8.2%. The largest monthly increase since October 2005. There's no need for that. We had fracking. We had natural gas coming out of our various orifices. But now, look. Electricity also increased in June, climbing month to month. 1.7%. So 1.7% on a yearly basis, what is that, 20% a year? Food prices have climbed 10.4% higher over the year, 1% over the month. The largest increase stemmed from various products, May and June, Dairy and related products up 1.4%. This is month to month, not year to year. In one month. Cereal up 2.5%. So just multiply them by 12 and you'll get a sense where we are. Poultry by 1.5%. Butter and margarine, 3.7%. In a bit of good news, prices for items that have been climbing for months, beef, veal, pork, chops, other meats, fell a bit in June from the previous month but they remain far higher than where they were just one year ago. And unfortunately for Americans who needed to buy a car in June, the price of both new and used vehicles continue to soar. Used car and truck prices, which have been a major component of inflation increase, are still up 7.1% from the previous year. More bad news prices after briefly declining in April surged in June, jumping 2.2% on a monthly basis. Monthly basis. I remember when we had 1.5% inflation 20 months ago, don't you, Mr. Producer? Now we're growing every month, 2.2%, 11%, 7.4%. The cost of new vehicles is up 11.4% from the prior year. On a monthly basis, the price of new vehicles jumped 0.6%. Shelter costs, costs, we call those homes, which account for roughly one-third of the consumer price index, sped up again in June, climbing 0.6%, matching the 18-year high set in May. On an annual basis, shelter costs have climbed 5.6%, the fastest in over 20 years. Rent costs have surged in June, almost 1% month to month, the largest monthly increase since April 1986. 
Rising rents are a concerning development because higher housing costs most directly and acutely affect housing budgets. What else? Home prices jumped 0.7% in June from the previous month. Perhaps most troubling, says Joe Brucellus, RSM chief economist, then the top-line increases inflation inside the housing sector has resulted in a situation where costs in that sector are now up 7.3%, well above the 5.9% core inflation. These increases have created the conditions whereby it's increasingly difficult to make the case that the economy will achieve anything resembling a soft landing, given the rate increases that have taken place and those to come. Nearly everything got more expensive in June, with few exceptions. Nearly everything. Airline prices fell 0.2% in June, but the costs are up year-to-year 34.1%, mostly because of fuel prices. That's the inflation side. That is unbelievable. It could have all been avoided. So I have a question for you. What exactly is the plan of the Democrats in Congress and the Democrat occupying the Oval Office to deal with any of this? They caused it. Now what are they going to do about it? What's their plan? They have no plan. At the center of this, of course, in my view, are two things. The war on energy, which really is the basis of almost 5,000 products and so much of what goes through the economy. And the massive spending, deficit spending, which the Federal Reserve supported by monetizing it, that is printing money. What are the Democrats going to do about this? Absolutely nothing. They could open the oil and gas picket right now. They refuse. They are not going to do it. They could allow pipelines to go forward. They refuse. In California, the governor who wants to be president now, they have prohibited the building of another single gas station in the whole state. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? I guess he wants to impose the California system on the rest of the country, the moron. This was all man-made. And now this, Fox Business, Mark Grant, chief market strategist at Collier Securities, argues he believes the consumer price index and product price index data will be higher than the previous month. Of course, he was right. Of course, he was right. The Bank of America said, well, the headline is severe recession is needed to cool inflation. Let me tell him a little secret. We're in a severe recession. Let me tell you another little secret. The Federal Reserve is playing catch-up. Having financed 
the drunken Marxist spending on Capitol Hill and out of the Oval Office. And that includes rhinos. Remember the bipartisan plan? 19 Republics in the Senate voted for it, including Mitch McConnell, another trillion dollars on top of everything else. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, that shows how we can work. Mitt Romney and Robert Portman, Lindsey Graham. Oh, I remember. The nitwits from West Virginia, the Republic and the Democrat. Murkowski and Collins, of course. Oh, it was fantastic. It showed Washington can work. The goal is to make America work, not Washington. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we have a disaster on our hands. The Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rate, raise them in a week or two by 0.75 or one full point. That is massive. On top of 0.75 raised last month. That will make borrowing almost completely out of your control, especially on credit cards and so forth. You're going to have food prices going up and up and up. You're going to have fuel prices going up and up and up. Housing prices going up and up and up. Clothing prices going up and up and up. Your salary can't possibly keep up with it. Your pension can't possibly keep up with it. Your bank interest can't possibly keep up with it. The stock market's already lost, listen to this, $15 trillion in wealth, and much of that is yours. If you have a 401k or a 403 or whatever the hell they call them, IRA, 403k, you know what's going on. You've seen it. And nobody's talking about the interest on the debt. That's going to kick in in the next budget. They've kept the interest low. But the interest on the debt is enormous, will be a big percentage of the budget in this coming budget. And even Manchin and Schumer are talking about spending another trillion dollars and raising taxes of a trillion dollars on the American worker in the American workplace. Another trillion. Another build back better. There's COVID money that's still in the pipeline. That's not going for COVID. It's been blown. It's been wasted. Every left-wing group is fat and heavy. Every blue state is fat and heavy if they haven't squandered all their money already. They've all been bailed out by you. And this affects a lot of other things. Look at the Defense Department budget. What do all these vehicles and things run on? Fuel. Local police departments. They haven't budgeted for this kind of a fuel increase. Fire departments, they haven't budgeted for this kind of a fuel increase. Emergency personnel, all of them. Their budgets are completely out of sync now. School buses, for crying out loud. This has a major impact across the board. What are the Democrats doing about it? Well, in the House and in the Senate, I think they're on recess, right, Rich? except when they have a hearing now and then. So they're focused on January 6th, chasing Donald Trump. The House of Representatives is focused on Donald Trump. What about the Senate? I don't know where the hell they are. Where are they? And Joe Biden's going over to Saudi Arabia to beg them for oil. 
and screwing the Israelis left and right with the Iranians. Joe Biden. If he were 35 years old, he'd be a moron. He'd be a moron. But we're all supposed to worry about Trump. Yes, peace in our time. We had peace. We had a border. We had a sound dollar. We had a strong economy, an economy, economy that was building up again. We had record numbers of employment among all groups. And now we have crap. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing a lot about New York Times poll and the Fox poll. And they're saying the generic poll shows that the Republicans have, uh, I think it was 42% and the Democrats, 41%. And you have reporters concluding that it's going to be very close come the midterm elections. I have no idea what's going to happen. But here's what I do know. I don't take anybody's word for anything. I go and I research it. There was a massive, massive Tea Party movement in 2009 and 2010, and the Republicans won like 60 seats, 62 seats in the House. Is that about right, Rich? Something like that? Well, this time in 2009, before that midterm election, July 13, 2009, the generic poll, the Democrats had a 42.3% rating, and the Republicans had a 36.2% rating. It's way too early to be making predictions. But that's a six-point spread, and the Republicans slaughtered the Democrats. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, Reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today 
at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Donald Trump and his supporters, this constant denying of the election results were told again and again and again and again. It's unprecedented. It's just outrageous. That's what we're told. Well, hat tip to Breitbart. I want you to sit down and relax. If you're driving, keep your eyes on the road, but increase the volume. If you're eating dinner, take a listen. Wherever you are, whomever you are, here's montage number one. We'll take our time with it. Democrats denying election results. Not a single one had to testify, was subpoenaed, accused of obstruction, or subjected to media character assassination. Cut one, go! You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. Stacey Abrams. And you can have the election stolen from you. Excuse me, Hillary. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's the real thing. That's what I'm scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election. And he was put in office because the Russians interfered. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president or elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is illegitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. So that was a very tainted election. And in that sense, it's illegitimate. Why do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. Stolen emails. Stolen drone. Stolen drone. Stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. <laughs> the Russian attempt to have, to have the election, and frankly, the FBI is uh, weighing in on the election, I think make the, make, makes his election illegitimate. There was a widespread understanding that this election was not on the level. We still don't know what really happened, Isaac. I mean, there's just a lot that I think will be revealed, history will discover. But you don't win by three million votes and have all this other shenanigans stuff going on and not come away with an idea like 
whoa, something's not right here. The outcome of the election was affected by their interference, and now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with so Russia. He knows he's an illegitimate president. So of course he's obsessed with me, and I believe that it's a guilty conscience. We actually won the last presidential election, folks. They stole the last Al Gore won that election. I think he won anyway. Actually, I think I carried Florida. Bush versus Gore. A court took away a presidency. If all the votes were counting in Florida, that Al Gore would be president today and George Bush would be back in office. I come from Florida, where you and others participated in what I call the United States coup d'etat. There's no doubt in my mind that Al Gore was elected president. I rise to object to the fraudulent 25 Florida electoral votes. I must object because of the overwhelming evidence of official misconduct. Delivery the fraud chair, and an attempt the to chair must remind It is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The Supreme the, uh, Court, not the people of the United States, decided this election. Speaking to a Democratic group in Chicago Tuesday, he made it clear he thinks Al Gore was the winner. By the time it was over... Our candidate had won the popular vote, and the only way they could win the election was to stop the voting in Florida. Catherine Harris, Jeb Bush, Jim Baker, and the Supreme Court hadn't tampered with the results. Al Gore would be president. The yes, Supreme yes, Court elected the president. Al Gore won the state of Florida in 2000, although not the presidency. But the Supreme Court tampered? That's a large chart. The Supreme Court stopped the counting of the votes, and if they let the count go on, Al Gore would have got the necessary votes. The Supreme Court selected George W. Bush as the president. He was not elected. There is overwhelming evidence that George W. Bush did not win this election. What I observed uh, as a voter, as a citizen of Illinois, uh, four years ago were troubling evidence of the fact that not every vote was being counted. I don't think that George W. Bush won the election uh, in 2000. I guess that would go because I, I think he probably lost Florida and also that nationwide. If you invite me back on this show in about eight weeks, I think you're going to learn that Al Gore actually did get all the votes in there. Get my point? Want to hear more? Cut two, montage two, go. The court has been thwarting formation of the popular will. The most spectacular example being Bush versus Gore, where the majority by a 5-4 vote enjoined the counting of more than 100,000 ballots in Florida and essentially gave America its first court-appointed president. I think in 2000, everybody thought, well, he did win the election, Al Gore. After the election, when you stole the election, you came back here and said, get over it. No, we're not going to get over it. You know it. I know it. They know it. We won that election. Constantly shifting vote tallies in Ohio and malfunctioning electronic machines which may not have paper receipts, have led to additional loss of confidence by the public. The right to vote has been stolen from qualified voters. In 2004, the democratic process was thwarted. The 2004 presidential election in Ohio was riddled with unnecessary problems. Some machines malfunctioned, causing votes to be counted more than once, or not at all. Based upon an inordinate number of allegations suggesting gross voting rights violations and misconduct, 
I join with my colleagues in objecting to counting the state of Ohio's electoral votes. As in 2000, the votes of many who wanted to vote were not, in fact, counted. This last Friday night, I, I arranged to meet Senator Kerry at a fundraiser to give him a copy of my book. He told me he now thinks the election was stolen. The wife of John Kerry said she has lingering doubts about the legitimacy of the election. Her theory goes like this. Two brothers, she calls hard right Republicans, own 80% of voting machines in the U.S. Therefore, it would be easy to hack into the mother machines that control the electronic voting. There were numerous irregularities in Ohio, including large percentages of rejections of provisional balloting, problems with voting machines. As we look at our election system, I think it's fair to say that there are many legitimate questions about its accuracy, about its integrity. There are still legitimate concerns over the integrity of our elections. I agree with tens of millions of Americans who are very worried that when they cast the ballot on an electronic voting machine, that there is no paper trail to record that vote. The numerous irregularities that occurred with the electronic voting machines in Ohio on November the 2nd of last year point to an unresolved national crisis. We cannot declare that the election of November 2nd, 2004 was free and clear and transparent and real. There must be independent testing of the voting machines used in Ohio. I'm not confident that the election in Ohio was fairly decided. We know that there was substantial voter suppression and the machines were not reliable. The members of Congress who have brought this challenge are speaking up for their aggrieved constituents, many of whom may have been disenfranchised in this process. Treating today's electoral vote count in Congress as a meaningless ritual would be an insult to our democracy unless we registered our own protest against the obviously flawed voting process that took place in so many of our states. Voters who wish to cast a vote for president or vice president can't approach the polls with certainty that their vote will be counted. One of the most significant problems in Ohio and in many other states was the lack of measures to ensure the integrity of electronic voting machines. In 2004, they caused Democratic voters in Ohio to wait for eight hours before they could cast their ballot. They turned the Department of Civil Rights and the Justice Department into the Voter Suppression Division with voter ID laws, voter purging, voter caging, voter intimidation. There aren't going to be any more election stealings. And despite the final tally and the inauguration and the situation we find ourselves in, I do have one very affirmative statement to make. Without voter suppression, Stacey Abrams would be the governor of Georgia. Andrew Gillum is the governor of Florida. You refuse to concede and say that you lost. Do you stand by that decision today? Yeah, absolutely. The election was not fair. The process was not fair. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. It's clear. I think that Stacey Abrams' election is being stolen from her. It was not a free and fair election. Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. But will I say that this election was not tainted, was not a disinvestment and a disenfranchisement of thousands of voters? I will not say that. Ladies and gentlemen, we just played about 10 minutes, two different clips, hat tip again, Breitbart, of scores of accusations by Democrats 
about the 2004 election, the 2000 election, the 2016 election, the Stacey Abrams campaign in Georgia, and others. And others. Isn't it amazing how none of this is recalled during the January 6th hearings? Isn't it amazing that now this is to be criminalized when it comes to Donald Trump? Isn't it amazing how the media ignore what was said? All of this is public. I didn't create it. I'm not a special pleader for any of it. I'm not an advocate of any of this. But in 2000, the basic argument was George W. Bush was appointed by the Supreme Court. Maybe the Bushies and the Cheneys don't remember that. In 2004, the Democrats were complaining about the voting machines. In 2016, they claimed there was Russian collusion. They were wrong about all of it. About all of it. And 2020 issues are raised, and all of a sudden, it's like, you don't have a right to go to court. You don't have a right to raise these issues. You don't have a right to lobby state legislatures and state officials. You're undermining democracy. You're destroying the Republican Party. You don't have a right to challenge this or challenge that. Now, you may not believe that President Trump should keep talking about it. That's a separate issue. But none of these Democrats were treated this way when they raised objections, and that would include Barack Obama, Al Gore, John Kerry, Jimmy Carter, and many others, Hillary Clinton, and many others. I thought you ought to hear it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I simply do not accept people's narratives, ladies and gentlemen. That was produced by the RNC, as I see, and first appeared on Breitbart, over 150 examples. So if the Democrats had had their way in 2000, George W. Bush would not be president. Do the Bush-Cheneys get that? 2004, they attacked the voting machines in Ohio. I don't know how many of them were sued by the voting machine company. 
uh, as being unreliable. That was a lie. And nonetheless, they said in 2004, Kerry was the real president. Then, of course, 2016, we were told Trump really didn't win. You heard them all. Even former Democrat presidents. Going on about Russia collusion. And we know, of course, there was no Russia collusion. Hillary Clinton repeating it over and over again, and she was the cause of the lie. Facts make a difference. Context makes a difference. You may not agree, but Trump fights back. You may be worn out by all this. I get it. I really do. The January 6th committee is a complete farce. And people who treat it with seriousness are not to be taken seriously. It's a complete setup. It's not about January 6th. It is paid for by the American taxpayer, just like the two impeachments. And the target is always the same. Now they have such a highly political U.S. attorney and highly political attorney general, they're hoping that they can criminalize this. They've said so. They've said so. By the way, folks, I want you to know something I think most of you do. I think we have tremendous conservatives in politics today that don't get the benefit of the attention they deserve. I mean, other than on Fox and talk radio. Of course, the the war on Donald Trump is never ending. And I don't like bullies, and I don't like the way this goes on. It's one of the reasons I defend Donald Trump. He was a great conservative president. Look at what's going on now. You've got Ted Cruz, fantastic. Mike Lee, fantastic. Tom Cotton, fantastic. Ron DeSantis, fantastic. Chrissy Noem, fantastic. And there are many others, don't get me wrong. I like Mike Pompeo a whole lot too, and there are many others. So my point is... We have a big, deep, broad bench of solid people. Unfortunately, most of them are not in the leadership of the Republican Party, certainly not in the Senate, that's for sure. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. So I think there are many people, conservatives, who would make excellent presidents. But there was a piece I saw in The Federalist by Jonathan S. Tobin. 
fairly well-read columnist. But the headline caught my attention this morning. Liz Cheney epitomizes Never Trumper's betrayal of our nation. I said, gee, doesn't that sound like something I've said? But I really like the way Mr. Tobin put it. Liz Cheney may be enjoying being treated like a heroine by the leftist corporate media that demonized her father and family for decades, but she hasn't completely lost touch with reality. The never-Trump turncoat not only became a key leader of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's McCarthyite show trial of Donald Trump under the guise of investigating the January 6, 2021 Capitol riot, but has also been masquerading as that sham's ranking member. But she's aware that being the principal star of the Democrats' primetime television show has made her the object of near-universal hostility from Republican voters. That's doubly true in her family's home state of Wyoming, where her defeat in the upcoming August primary has more or less been ensured by Trump's popularity and conservative hostility to those who seem to think demonizing Republican voters is a viable political strategy. With polls showing her as far as 30 points behind primary challenger Harriet Hagman, Cheney knows that she's going to need something of a miracle in order to hold on to the congressional seat she first parachuted into on the basis of her famous family name in 2016. That's why she's done the logical thing to save her political hide. And it's appealing to members of the party that she effectively joined last year to carry on her vendetta against Trump. With a considerable campaign war chest largely raised from Democrats and ancient regime Republicans, her campaign is principally concerned with an effort to convince Wyoming Democrats to change their registration and vote for her in the August primary. In doing so, she's essentially given up on the dubious effort to convince Republicans that her participation in the January 6th committee inquisition is a matter of saving the honor of the GOP. Few, if any, actual Republican voters ever bought that line. Most understand that her decisions have everything to do with the ongoing peak of the GOP establishment about losing control of a party that they once ruled while giving little thought to the desires or interests of their voters. Given that Wyoming Democrats are a small minority and not a single statewide candidate getting more than 30% of the vote in the last three election cycles, it's far from clear whether the strategy has any chance of success. But it's one of that others in her small camp of fellow ex-conservative Trump haters are adopting. In Utah... Evan McMullen, who ran for president in 2016 as the supposedly true conservative alternative to Donald Trump and actually managed to get 21% of the vote in his home state, is seeking to unseat incumbent Republican Senator Mike Lee. In contrast to Cheney, who, when not otherwise occupied with demonizing Trump and those who voted for him, still maintains that she supports basic conservative stands on issues like illegal immigration. McMullen in Utah has long since abandoned the pretense that he shares many of the beliefs of most GOP voters. So that made it easy for Utah Democrats 
to endorse his independent candidacy rather than running one of their own Democrats in an almost certainly doomed effort to unseat Mike Lee. Now, that sets up a race in which McMullen has a chance to beat one of the most principled Senate conservatives. With a news poll taken last month showing him trailing Lee by only 41 to 35 percent. With Utah Senator Mitt Romney maintaining the sort of neutrality in the contest that illustrates his conservative apostasy. More than anything else, it's entirely possible that a never-Trump Democrat alliance might actually succeed in the quirky Utah political environment. All this points to smart politics being practiced by Democrats. They understand that they can do more to advance their agenda by seeking to divide and conquer Republicans by backing never-Trumpers. It also shows that the whole never-Trump idea has been more of a political scam than anything else. After Trump took office, he began to show that the not unreasonable skepticism about his willingness to actually implement conservative policies was actually unfounded. The notion that the people who continue to pretend that Trump and his supporters have somehow betrayed conservatives are those who stand for true values of the Republican Party never made much sense. But after four years in which Trump kept his promises on a variety of issues, from appointing pro-life conservatives to the U.S. Supreme Court, to deregulation, prioritizing the battle against illegal immigration, and even moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, it's clear that those who fly under the Never Trump banner no longer truly support conservative ideas. Indeed, in the wake of the courts overturning a Roe v. Wade, it is simply impossible to claim that those seeking to tear down the GOP in order to supposedly save it are doing anything but acting as auxiliaries to the left. I'll read on. Trump actually helped turn the liberal train around rather than merely trying to thwart its progress. That means that in its current form, never Trumpism is a unique variant of political opportunism geared at securing its adherents lucrative positions at legacy media companies and or political offices where they can carry the water for Democrats, albeit under a false flag of independence. At a time when the woke assault on traditional values of the Democrats quest for untrammeled power to remake the country in the image of their neo-Marxist goals. We've talked about that at length. Never Trumpism isn't so much a reflection of distaste with an orthodox politician, but a complete betrayal of conservatism, a complete betrayal of conservatism and the national interest by seeking to be rewarded for her help for the Democrats from their voters. Cheney epitomizes both that betrayal as well as how profitable such a stand potentially can be. After she loses her primary, it's entirely likely that Cheney will continue to seek Democrat donations for a likely challenge to Trump or other actual conservatives, should he decide not to run for president in 2024, will also likely becoming a talking head on CNN and MSNBC and thus keeping her career failing upward. But no one should be under the impression that that is anything more than an elaborate grift 
whose only end will be to satisfy her desire for attention and a financially secure platform from which to continue working against rather than for conservative policies and principles. Jonathan S. Dobin, he's 100% right. We are and have been at a point of success or no return. And Donald Trump has seen that in his own way. And Donald Trump knows that in his own way, as do other conservatives. Trump put everything on the line, ladies and gentlemen. His popularity in Hollywood and in New York City. His many successful businesses. His reputation. His family. Everything. What has Liz Cheney put on the line? Nothing. Nothing. And Trump could have done a Bush or Cheney or whatever. Switch course. Become a rhino. Be accepted in Washington in social circles. Accepted by the media. Still hated, but not in the way he's hated today. Trump constantly being chased by local, state, and federal prosecutors. One subpoena after another. One demand after another. Nobody. Nobody who has served in public office has ever been abused like this. It's time to look at this from the right side. Not from and through the media lens. This endless beatdown. And yet he's like the Energizer Bunny, isn't he, Mr. Producer? I'm not talking about who should run, who shouldn't run. I'm just making a point of why I stand where I stand and do what I do. This is the mob, the organized mob, the self-appointed elite mob, the Republican establishment mob, the media mob. It's the mob. And the establishment, the Republican establishment is part of the mob. It's just that way. They will do exactly the same thing to a DeSantis, a Cruz, a Cotton, Mike Pence, too, as a matter of fact. While they try and use him now to attack Trump, the fact is, if he were the nominee, they'd try to destroy him. I certainly hope Mark Short understands that. I'm not sure what he understands. But I'm just making the point. You heard the montages in the last hour. The idea of challenging elections, disputing elections, denying this guy won or that guy won. That's been a Democrat hallmark 
for over 20 years. For over 20 years. How many media figures do you remember saying, that's not true, you don't have any evidence, you can't prove that? In 2000, in 2004, 2016. No, they joined in. But now if you raise questions, where's the evidence? Hand it to me right now. Why don't you get off your ass and go look for it? No, of course not. But I think that article's right on. I think it, in many ways, is a concise statement of what I try to say about this as well. The Republican establishment is poison. It's represented by McConnell and Thune and some of the others who've been up there way too long and have done nothing for this country, nothing in any significant way. Oh, they can point to three or four things. These guys have been there. One of them's 36 years, going on 42 years. Another one's 18 years, going on 24. They had to beg him to run in South Dakota. Oh, my, oh, my. And you watch. If conservatives or MAGA candidates lose, they'll say, see that? See that? And yet, their candidates lose all the time. Their candidates lose all the time. They take responsibility for nothing. Nothing. I'll be right back. Mark in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Media Matters is sort of a third right big lie propaganda operation. Started by Soros, funded by a lot of dark money. Ultra radical leftists. And what they try to do to Fox hosts and talk radio hosts is lie about them endlessly. So it is my deepest hope that this constitutionalist court will eventually give us our libel laws back. Because I want to sue the crap out of these people. We need our libel laws back to hold them accountable. Here's the Los Angeles Blade, the Southern California's, as they point it, LGBTQ news source. And they quote Media Matters, which claims to quote me. But look at their headline. 
Fox News pundit Mark Levin compares the queer community to bestiality. Did I do that, Mr. Producer? Why would I compare, quote unquote, the queer community to bestiality? It's not what I did. It's not what I said. So they take what I said. They even put a link to what I said. And then they say that. Then they say that. Which is outrageous. What I was talking about is the NEA changing the language that we keep adding letters to LGBTQIA+. I have no idea what some of these letters mean. And I said, what next? What else are we going to add here? The whole alphabet? Just say the alphabet. And then I said, I mean, what are we going to keep adding to this list? Bestiality next? I never compared, quote, the queer community to bestiality. But this is what they do. They have to create this narrative. And then it's repeated everywhere. On Wikipedia and so forth. And they smile. They think this is funny. They think they've done a great job. And yet it's the guy that runs Media Matters. Who said the most outrageous things about transgender people? Who said the most outrageous things about gay people? And he's gay. Who said the most outrageous things about Jews? anti-Semitic, bigoted comments all across the world, and they point to me? You have to take my words out of context. You have to twist them. You have to lie in your headlines. That's what you do. I'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. This is Radio Free America on the Mark Levin Show. Call now, 877-381-3811. Another hearing, Representative Ralph Norman. And a questioning Ms. Lopez, who is a pro-abortion witness. These are all these hearings called by Democrats, not one on inflation. I want you to listen to this give and take. Go. I assume you agree with infanticide, the killing of a child, a perfectly healthy child at birth. I don't accept the basis of that question, but I do believe abortion is health care. I'm talking about, do you agree? I, I know, I get that, but do you agree? I mean, are you in... Do you notice support? they talk like uh, zombies, Mr. Producer? You notice, America, they just keep repeating themselves? They're asked a tough question because they know that their answer is gorish. It's sickening. 
He asked about infanticide, the killing of a child, a perfectly healthy child at birth. Go ahead. Killing the child after he's born. I do not agree with the basis of that question. What's but the I basis? do believe that abortion is health care. Okay, so I'll take that as a yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what you hear here. And then you have, um, we have Fatima Goss Graves. Who is she? I didn't know. President National Women's Law Center. She's a witness. And she's questioned by Andrew Clyde. Cut 17, go. Earlier this year, our new Supreme Court Justice, uh, Katanja Brown Jackson, was asked what a woman is. And she had a difficult time defining that. Since you are the president of the National Women's Law Center, I was hoping you could define what a woman is for us in this committee hearing. Well, as the president of the National Women's Law Center, you can imagine I say woman a lot uh, in my day job. Okay, uh, so I'm just asking I, for the de- definition. I'm, so, and, and so what I'll tell you is I am a woman. That's how I identify. Okay. But I wonder, however, if in part the reason that you're asking a question is that you're trying to suggest that people who I am don't simply asking the question and I simply want an pregnant. answer. I, and so I, I think it's actually really important to be very clear here that there are people who identify as non-binary. I think okay. about five right. percent of young. We're not going to go there. I was hoping maybe you would. I was hoping that you, maybe you would say something that maybe we learned in. Um, High school biology that has to do with X and Y chromosomes, but uh, which define male and female. But I guess we're not going to get there. Isn't this unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen? Is this not unbelievable that they all sound alike? The talking points have gone out, and that they are not going to define what a woman is. They're not going to say only women can get pregnant and have babies. This is the demonizing of women and womanhood, as I've talked about now for, what, a year? That's exactly what it is. They have so much difficulty answering the question, and yet they keep talking about women's rights. Women's rights. Except if you're a woman who really believes in womanhood. But don't worry, Kristen Gillibrand is at the call. She's at a press conference yesterday. Cut 16, go. The reason why the Supreme Court's decision was so offensive is because it said a right to privacy doesn't exist. Uh, and Clarence Thomas went now, so far as to say... Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Supreme Court specifically did not address that. The right to privacy was concocted to support, among other things, abortion on demand. First row, <laughs> excuse me, first row, then Casey. They didn't say a right to privacy doesn't exist. They said a right to an abortion may or may not exist, but it's not our call. So why is she lying? Why are they all lying about what and who a woman is? About chromosomes? About the science? About who can get pregnant and have a baby and who can't? Why are they all lying like this, ladies and gentlemen? Because it's a war on the nuclear family. That's why. Like critical race theories, a war on the American founding. This has turned into a war on the nuclear family. 
Climate change is a war on American prosperity and capitalism. This is the American Marxism of which I wrote and of which I've spoken now for a long time. That's what's going on. All these various forces and elements coming together under the umbrella of the Democrat Party with the megaphone of the American media. Go ahead. Unwind all the legislation that's based on a right to privacy, including LGBT equality, including access to contraception. So if you don't have a right to privacy, that would mean these states could track your phone. It means you could they could ask for the data. That means the Democrats could use big tech. That means the Democrats could attack the First Amendment, the freedom of association. That means the Democrats can get your texts, your emails, perhaps your phone records illegally. Go ahead. Apps you might be using. It could it could ask for anything in discovery. Any what of your privacy. What does this have to do with what the man asked you, you moron? Well, I guess nobody asked you, and we don't talk about men as men. This is Kristen Gillibrand. She sound like an idiot? She is an idiot. Go ahead. So I want the American people to fully understand if this Supreme Don't Court takes away... Don't you love the way they talk down to you? This nitwit. I want the American people to fully understand what I'm saying. Fully understand what you're saying. You're an idiot. Just because you believe something to be true doesn't make it true. Follow the science, you jerk. I guess women can't hand, hit glass ceilings anymore because they're not women. They're people of glass ceilings, I guess. I don't know. Go ahead. Privacy? It means the right to privacy for everyone. Ah, this shut is- up, you idiot. Except the baby that you kill. So my question to you, genius, my question to you is the same question that was asked of a witness on the House side, the same question I ask here damn near every night. Do you believe... A baby should be aborted within a second of birth. She does. That's what she voted for. That's what she voted for when the Democrats put the bill up after Roe v. Wade was reversed. She voted for killing babies right up to birth. I want you to think about what that would actually look like, ladies and gentlemen. You women out there who've had babies, and yes, only women have babies. I follow the science. You women out there who've had babies, the moment of birth, it's a little person. It's a little human being. There's literally nothing more precious. A little head. The little eyes and the nose and the mouth, so innocent. Then the rest of the baby. The shoulders, the chest, the arms, the hands, the little fingers. Then the rest of the baby. The little legs and the feet and the baby toes, the little toes. This piggy went to market and so forth, right? Do you understand that Kristen Gillibrand and all these radicals, 
support infanticide. She says she wants the American people to fully understand. So do I. Do the American people fully understand what Kristen Gillibrand is promoting? What kind of a society calls this a privacy right or any kind of a right or a choice? A thousand years from now, they'll be looking at this, wondering what kind of savages we are. What kind of disgusting savages we are who ignored the science who ignored the science I'll be right back Mark Lovin Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. I'll be speaking at, attending, and moderating two of four debates uh, at the Republican Party of Florida's 2022 Sunshine Summit and Victory Dinner. Now, this special event is taking place at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, July 22 to 23. We're going to have a fantastic time. I want to encourage you, those of you in South Florida and elsewhere, to attend this great gathering. It's being led by Governor Ron DeSantis. You can get your tickets at sunshinesummit.org, sunshinesummit.org. And thanks to the governor's leadership, there are four new Republican congressional districts in Florida, 4, 7, 13, and 15. I'm attending this conference not only to speak, but to moderate two of the debates among the Republican primary candidates. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great day to celebrate the governor's many accomplishments. And also, we, we want to demonstrate that we don't need corrupt media leftists to handle debates. It's really important that we elect strong conservatives who are going to fight to save this republic. And I'm going to ask tough questions of these candidates. So um, I hope you'll attend, and it'll be a lot of fun, whether you're from Florida or not, but particularly those in Florida. You have great speakers, including the uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Nunes, the Attorney General Moody, Senator Marco Rubio, Representative Byron Donalds, Representative Kat Kamak, Dave Rubin, Lisa Booth, Molly Hemingway, Clay Travis, on and on. But will we have you? Now, you need to get tickets. There's only a certain number of them before they sell out. That's sunshinesummit.org, sunshinesummit.org. 
And when the tickets are gone, they're gone. Sunshinesummit.org. Remember, July 22 to 23. Also, we've got a lot more. The Power Hour is next. Please stick with us, and I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492. Or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. LeBron James, is he a podcaster now, Mr. Producer? Just a guest? There is a podcast, I think it's called The Shop. I don't know. What do I know? It's called The Shop. And uh, they did a promo. For the shop podcast yesterday. I thought you might find this uh, interesting. Cut 23, go. Brittany Griner, she is in Russia. She's been there over 110 days. Now, how can she feel like America has her back? I would be feeling like, do I even want to go back to America? This is their promo. I don't know if it's in context or not. I assume it is. You don't know if you want to go back to America? I'm sorry. This guy is a moron. I know you're not allowed to say that about LeBron James. But he's a moron. You don't know if you want to come back to America? Why? Because America doesn't have her back? And what exactly are we supposed to do to get her out? They say they're doing everything they can. You hated Donald Trump, who had more success than any president and getting these people out from these uh, fascistic and Marxist regimes. You hated him, LeBron. Remember him? You remember him? Your man Biden won. The Democrat Party's in charge. But to say these things, do I even want to go back to America? If you're her, that's what you... But that's good to note. Let's make that a notation, Mr. Producer, in our show notes. If LeBron James has ever kidnapped, taken hostage, pulled off a flight and sent to jail in a foreign country, I don't think he wants to come back to America. God, stupid man. Just stupid. I'm sorry. Stupid. 
I'm sure I'm upsetting at least 98.9% of ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3, ESPN4. How many ESPNs are there, Mr. Producer? ESPN5 and 6 and all the rest of them. ESPN LGBTQI plus A plus. What's with all the letters all the time, too? I don't understand that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's an idiot. I'm sorry, he's an idiot. And speaking of, Cassidy Hutchison. The more we learn, the more it's obvious what a pathetic witness this was. At least three occasions, she said things in her testimony that were not accurate or that she couldn't possibly have known. So you have to assume the committee spoon-fed that information, or perhaps Dizzy Lizzie. But here we have a piece from Henry Rogers, senior congressional correspondent, not junior, senior, so this is big time, at the Daily Caller exclusive. Cassidy Hutchinson begged senior Trump officials for, quote, financial assistance, unquote, after being subpoenaed by J6 committee. Oh, I thought... She got rid of those lawyers because, because those lawyers were kind of limiting what she would say. And they got, they got her new lawyers where she could just, you know, she was free to speak. The January 6th committee's key witness, Cassidy Hutchinson, asked for senior, asked former senior Trump officials for financial assistance and legal help in February after she was subpoenaed by the committee according to an email obtained exclusively by the Daily Mail. Does Mick Mulvaney know this, Mr. Producer? Somebody interview Mick Mulvaney right away and let him know. I think Mick's in a bad place right now. In an email sent to a former senior Trump official February 4, Hutchinson said she had trouble securing a legal team and asked the former senior Trump official for help we're getting in contact with fundraising organizations or attorneys that could help her. Hutchinson explained that she was unemployed and that her aunt and uncle had applied to refinance their house to help her. Should have tried American financing. She also said she was primarily seeking financial assistance and any bind financially. Quote, I was subpoenaed by the 1-6 committee on November 9, 2020, meaning 2021, but was not formally served until Wednesday. January 26, 2021, meaning 2022. I've had difficulty securing a legal team. I was hoping you may be able to put me in contact with any fundraising organizations and or attorneys that are involved in this process, Hutchinson said in the email to the former senior Trump official. My aunt and uncle applied to refinance their house to loosen up some money since I don't have much immediate family, but they weren't approved, she said in the separate email. Multiple senior Trump officials and a person with firsthand knowledge told the Daily Caller that former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows would not answer her calls uh, after she was subpoenaed. And he didn't answer because he didn't he did. He wanted to avoid the appearance of improperly influencing any testament because we know what Dizzy Lizzie would say. See that obstruction. I'm referring that to the Department of Justice. Cassidy Hutchinson reached out to various people in Trump world asking for both financial assistance and help finding a lawyer. The person with firsthand knowledge also said that Trump officials were sympathetic because of her age and lack of employment and said at her request 
Trump's political action committee agreed to help her financially and at her request suggested attorneys she could interview. The person also said Hutchison made derogatory comments about the January 6th committee to multiple people in Trump world. Now imagine if a Jim Jordan or some other Republican was there and Matt Gates or something sitting on this committee questioning this witness with this information. Then her testimony wouldn't be so brilliant and compelling, would it, ladies and gentlemen? And look what she said about the lawyers. Look how they treated them. They found her lawyers, I guess, to help her. Then she trashes the lawyers as she spins and turns and pretzels herself. Is that a verb? It is now. And pretzels herself. Because Dizzy Lizzie wants her testimony. we got to have an emergency here. we got what we wanted. We've had four damn secret, you know, depositions with this girl, woman, person, it, they, she, whatever. And now we finally got what we want. We got the right lawyers, quote unquote. We got the right testimony. Trump's grabbing the whip. He's choking the Secret Service agent. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my handwritten note. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that I, I was told this by the Secret Service guy. No, that was 14 months later. Wait a minute. And now we know she trashed the lawyers who came to help her, her defense, lawyers she asked for. What kind of a person is this? This is a person that gets caught up in Liz Cheney's world. Liz Cheney is a reprobate, a malcontent, a narcissist. That's what she is. Halliburton, you understand what I mean, right, Mr. Producer? Now, speaking of which, Politico. Politico, oh, don't we love Politico? No. Just got caught trying to concoct an imaginary DeSantis scandal by Ellie Reynolds. What could this be? The media are lying? Politico was forced to update a story after basically implying that the Florida Department of Education hired a consulting firm for services promoting critical race theory. Because MGT Consulting is, quote, well-versed in critical race theory, unquote, and has created racial equity plans in other states, the article suggested it was hypocritical for the Florida Department of Education to maintain contracts with the firm since... Ron DeSantis has spoken out against the divisive and racist roots of critical race theory. Brian Griffin, a deputy press secretary for DeSantis, called the hit piece a bogus story. Imagine that. And confirmed to the Federalists that there's absolutely zero CRT work funded by the state of Florida. But Politico's on the job, ladies and gentlemen. They lied. Because they're lazy bastards. They were fed. They were spoon-fed a story. They didn't follow up. They didn't even ask the governor his office. And they put it out there. They claimed the firm has done extensive work for Florida government entities, including race and gender data, that was used to shape policy designed to increase diversity in state university institutions. Diversity. Equity. Well, which is it? Diversity or equity? Which is it? Diversity or equity? You can't always have both. But don't ask Harvard. They don't show diversity or equity toward Asian applicants, do they, America? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
You know, uh, Mark Burnovich, the Attorney General of Arizona, has become a friend. We've never met in person. We've talked on the phone. We've talked on the radio. But we've hit it off. And the reason is he's not only a very decent guy, an honorable guy, he really is into this thing we call public service. And he's been most of his life. And I think he would be an absolutely fantastic senator. He's running in the Republican primary for the nomination to be a senator. And why did I endorse him? Because the guy's a fighter. Because he's not a one-issue guy. He's a conservative across the board. And he's done more than most as attorney general of one state to fight the Biden administration, to fight what's going on in the criminal justice system, to fight what's going on on the border, the lawlessness that's taking place. In other words, he's action-oriented. He's not, he's not all talk. He's not just talking about what he's going to do. And he's been a leader. And there's been great attorneys general throughout the, the uh, country, but he's been a leader among them. And I think that he could actually get elected to the United States Senate and beat this guy, Mark Kelly, who's a nebbish, as we say. <laughs> uh, we Jews say you know, when it comes to Yiddish. But uh, it is a pleasure to have Mark on the uh, program, and I wanted to have him come on. Mark Bernovich, apparently, uh, among other things, when your state asks for people to prove their citizenship when they vote, you've offended the United States Department of Justice, the Civil Rights Division, and apparently you have violated the Federal Civil Rights Act. What's going on there? Uh, well, uh, great one. Thank you for having me on again, and thank you for the kind words and you know, it, this this is just the exam, exhibit A of the hypocrisy and just the craziness of the times we're, we're living in. Arizona passed a common sense election integrity measure that basically says that if you want to vote in a presidential election, you have to prove you're a U.S. citizen. And that if you want to be if you want to get a mail in ballot, if you want to be the permanent early, or the early voting list, you have to prove you're a citizen. The Biden administration threatened to sue us. I sent them a uh, very pleasant response, basically saying, bring it on. I guess it's another round of Brnovich v. Biden. And so last week they sued us. And so they sued us and they basically are saying that Arizona law that requires you to prove that you're a citizen, if you want to vote in a presidential election or get a uh, mail-in ballot, is illegal. And that's the Biden administration's position. And so, you know, Mark, I have said, that the Biden administration, it's, it's, I don't mean to laugh, it's not funny, it's, it's really crazy to think that they don't want Arizona to review uh, um, citizenship at the polls, you know, but they, meanwhile, their Department of Justice is running license plate at school board meetings, and they're letting literally millions, three million people so far illegally enter our country. It's just absurd and crazy. I'm losing adjectives to describe what's going on in this country and just the shredding of the U.S. Constitution in, in the past year and a half. Well, what are we to conclude from this? The borders are wide open. You're right on the border. You got God knows how many people coming into your state. They don't want proof of citizenship, so they apparently don't mind if illegal aliens vote or people who aren't citizens vote. Otherwise, what is their purpose here, Mark? Well, I'm not sure if, if, if the AOCs, Joe Biden, you know, if they appreciate that most of the people entering our country illegally right now are fleeing socialism and communism. So what makes you think that they're going to vote for Joe Biden? But, but in the Democrats' twisted view of the world, you know, they don't believe in borders. They believe in this neo-Marxist utopia. And so 
they assume that if they can get a bunch of people coming in here and become dependent on the federal government, and that's why, as you know, they're trying to socialize the economy, they're trying to nationalize the election, and they're trying to get people dependent on the federal government because they think this is going to create the permanent social socialist slash Marxist um, you know, utopia that, that AOC and the hard left is envisioned in America. How's that primary going down there right now or over there in Arizona? Well, it's going well. I mean, look, I, I got great name ID. People know I'm a fighter. And you know, Mark, you mentioned a little bit at the beginning, you know, I was the first person to sue Biden over the unconstitutional COVID vaccines. I had been involved in suing President Obama over EPA job-killing regulations, the waterways of the U.S., all the federal overreach. Heck, we sued Biden, President Biden over, excuse me, the, uh, the COVID bailout bill that said states couldn't could cut taxes because we believe that that was not only a violation of the Constitution, the anti-commandeering principles, but my goodness, why is it that Biden, Joe Biden wants to give everyone 1600 bucks? But Arizona can't cut taxes by that amount because they want to be, be make people dependent on the federal government. So the, the primary is going well. But, you know, and I mean, maybe your listeners know that um, the president, the former president, endorsed somebody else in the primary, Peter Thiel's guy. And so at this point, you know, it, it's, it's a dogfight. It's, it's, it's neck and neck. But I've got the endorsement of folks like you. I've got great name ID. And most importantly, I've got a real record. I've won twice statewide. I got more votes than Cinema or McSally in 2018, even though I was outspent. And so people want a fighter. I mean, people want someone that can stand up, articulate, and defend our principles, not somebody that's going to be beholden to, you know, Peter Thiel. Yeah, this Peter Thiel is trying to buy the uh, Republican Party. I mean, I uh, I don't like these billionaires trying to buy candidates and so forth, but he's, he's already bought one. He's trying to buy another, and he's trying to buy a third. And uh, I, I just don't believe in this outsized influence of one individual. It troubles me a lot. Um, and what also troubles me is uh, these opponents you're running against, particularly this one backed by Peter Thiel. He's not demonstrated an ability to fight this administration to fight this, fight this ideology, has he? Well, that's the thing. As you know, talk is cheap, great one. And all, all these folks... You know, that are, that are saying stuff now. I'm like, my goodness, when I was involved in litigation against the Obama administration, where were they? When I literally was arguing at the U.S. Supreme Court last year, Brnovich v. DNC, stepping up case named after me that allows states to enact common sense election integrity measures. Now, one of these folks lifted a finger, wrote an op ed, filed a brief. I mean, heck, earlier this year when I was at the U.S. Supreme Court, arguing against Biden's attempt to, um, you know, rescind the public charge rule that President Trump enacted. Not one of these folks stepped up. So, you know, talk is cheap. And, and the thing is, um, if I can tell one quick anecdote, you know, you know, President Reagan, who I love, we did more for freedom over, all over this world than any other president this the last 150 years. Uh, he, he used to say, if someone agrees with you seven to ten times, they're not your enemy, they're your friend. And I used to always tell people, the Brnovich caveat is, if someone gives you 10 out of 10 times, they're not your friend, they're not your kids, they're a psychiatrist you're paying. But my daughter always tells me what you, what you need to tell people. My daughter, my, my, one of my daughters says, no, no, Dad, you need to tell people 10 out of 10 times, no one agrees with anyone, but they know where Brnovich stands. You, they know that you're a consistent constitutional. That's right. Um, All right, Mark, hold on. I want to carry you over the break. That's right. 10 out of 10 times, they know where you stand. Absolutely. We'll be right back. 
In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. If you want to help the Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Brnovich, it's B-R-N-O, because the name is spelled B-R-N-O-V-I-C-H, B-R-N-O for Arizona, B-R-N-O for A-Z.com, B-R-N-O for A-Z.com. Jeez, couldn't you make it easier than that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, there is a Hannity variant. I call it the Hannity variant, where he yeah. uh, would kind of make fun of the, the name of, of the website. And he said it's the worst website in politics. And so there is actually, if you type in Mark B, M-A-R-K-B, for AZ.com, you could also go to the website and help us out. So that's the yeah. Hannity variant is the Mark B for AZ. Well, I have to join the Hannity variant, I'm, a th- I'm thinking. <laughs> Mark B for AZ. Dot com. That's much better. Sounds like a song, actually. All right. I know. Mr. Attorney General, this guy, Mark Kelly, the Democrat in the Senate. I mean, he never speaks. He uh, he wants to glide along. He is a radical. He has voted for everything Biden has wanted. Now he's trying to distance himself from Biden. Arizona used to really elect solid conservatives who stood for things, who were standouts, agree with them or not. You've got two, but particularly this guy, Kelly, one of the least effective senators in the United States Senate. Isn't that true? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I I tell folks all the time that we need a, a senator in Arizona that represents uh, Arizona values and those those traditional, you know, limited government constitutional conservative values. And we have candidates that stand up and articulate them. We win. And I'm living proof of it. As I said, in 2018, I got more votes than Kirsten Cinema, who's on the ballot at the same time, even though I was outspent by a ton. And I, I remind folks all the time and people say this, oh, well, uh, Mark Kelly votes with Chuck Schumer 93% of the time. But what I love to point out is that he votes with Bernie Sanders nine out of 10 times. And even Bernie's wife doesn't agree with Bernie nine out of 10 times. I mean, that's how radical he is. I mean, he is a, a hardcore lefty senator. It's completely out of touch with Arizona, but 
You know, he is a former astronaut. I know we all joke about his ideas being from outer space, but that's the thing is that you need someone that can actually stand up at their core, understands conservative principles, conservative values, and can take it to him because, you know, he's, he's going to be a tough candidate, even though he hasn't done anything except for vote with Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders, but it's going to, you're going to have to have a principled Arizona and run it against him. And, you know, I don't like politics, but that's why I'm running because I care about our state. I care about our country. Mm-hmm. Now, in Arizona, did you guys suspend the, the capital punishment for a period of time? No, we didn't. But I, I, I actually, you know, I started my career as a gang prosecutor, and I believe very strongly that those who commit the ultimate crime get the ultimate punishment. And I've actually mm-hmm. been on 60 Minutes talking about the death penalty, and I made a commitment, a promise to victims that I would make sure justice was done. And just recently, we executed an individual here in Arizona that our office was in charge not only of prosecuting, but executing a guy, a degenerate killer, Mark, that was a pedophile, and then he, he had killed and raped and killed a girl here, and mm. it took 40 years. Finally, as AG, um, we made sure that justice was done, and he was just executed a couple of weeks ago. And so that's the second execution uh, since I've been AG. 40 so years? There was... Oh, it's, 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 it's terrible. Anyone to the left has waged a guerrilla war against the justice system, and especially the death penalty. And so they've created all these problems that make it difficult for us to execute people, like, for example, getting drugs. And then they complain about the process. And then they delay it, they delay it, delay it. They hope to run out the clock, all these endless appeals. And meanwhile, these poor victims, Debbie Carlson, who was Vicki Lynn's mom, I have stood with her, Mark. I have cried with her at hearings. I was there with her the day of the execution, and she was so thankful because uh, justice was finally done. And, folks, the left doesn't understand this, is that there are people that commit the ultimate crimes that are so incorrigible that they deserve the ultimate punishment. It's Uh ultimately the way society defends itself. What are you guys doing, or what are you doing? about the issue of abortion now since the Dobbs decision? Well, we just filed a, a in court today, um, we filed a motion to overturn an injunction that had been in place since Roe because our office has taken the position, which not every elected official uh, agrees with, but we have taken the position that in 1977, the legislature reenacted a law, 13-3603, that says all the abortions are illegal in Arizona except to save the life of the mother. That's what our representatives uh, enacted, and that's what I believe I have an obligation to defend in court. So we have asked the court literally today, just today, filed paperwork to have them reinstate and confirm that that is the state of law in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. You want well, to be a I, senator. I, I, yeah. This this issue oh, I, of... Just, uh, yeah. like, no, I'm Go sorry. I, I've said this from my early days as a prosecutor that every society ultimately gets treated or judged by how it treats the, the least vulnerable or those mm-hmm. who can't protect themselves. And that's so, so going, whether it was prosecuting gangs or making sure degenerate killers get executed or protecting the unborn, I will always err on the side of the most vulnerable and protecting life. May I ask you about energy? I mean, it's obvious this administration rejects fossil fuels it's obvious this administration is pretending it can't do anything about the price of fuel and inflation and all the rest of it 
What is your economic view? Well, when the Soviet Union collapsed, communism didn't die. All those people just ended up in the environmental movement. Because yeah, right. let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. The environmental movement is all about controlling our lives. And I, I actually wrote an op-ed in 2004 when I was working at the Goldwater Institute about energy pricing. And I advocated back then that we should eliminate the federal gas tax because it's no longer used to fund the interstate highway system. It's used to fund bridges to nowhere or, you know, bike paths in Vermont. That all these environmental regulations that, that raise the price of gas. And then you combine with that a federal government that's hostile to drilling and exploration. You end up with less supply of something, shortages and an increased cost. And the price of oil, the price of gas affects everything, you know, from delivering foods, you know, to the grocery stores, which which affects the price of groceries, which, you know, other goods like, you know, uh, that are made out of oil and oil byproducts, you know, plastics and everything. So it has an incredible effect in the economy. So when Joe Biden, for example, just this year cancels offshore auction or drilling leases, uh, auctions for drilling leases offshore, that means we have less supply. I've opposed him when he canceled the Keystone Pipeline and other pipeline projects, because that means we have less you know, oil coming into our country. When the EPA tries to promulgate not only job killing regulations, but rules that make it harder to refine, you know, crude oil, that has, a, that has an impact on all of us. And I was very proud to have joined the West Virginia versus EPA case where you had the Biden administration, or excuse me, Obama actually that did it, that they try to impose all these carbon rules and all, all these things that are designed to basically be a war on fossil fuels and all of us are paying the price at not only the gas pump, but at the grocery store because of these far left policies that, you know, envision some green agenda, you know, being dictated from the federal government to all the rest of us. We're paying the cost. So you worked at the Goldwater Institute, which is, as it sounds, a conservative slash libertarian uh, institute, correct? Yes, yes. I, I was a big believer in property rights. I mean, I, I you know that my parents lived through World War II, they lived in a communist country, and you could perform Yugoslavia. And so when your family has not just studied history, but lived it, you understand how precious freedom is, how, how any government that's big enough to give you everything is big enough to take it away. And so when I was at Goldwater, I was a big advocate of property rights and how important, um, you know, federalism is. You know, I've always talked about, you know, faith, federalism, and freedom. That's what, that's what this country is all about, and that's what I've been about my entire life. Well, I'm proud to be a supporter of yours, and uh, feel free to make that public anywhere you can if it doesn't hurt you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> You're the best, brother. And uh, we really appreciate you, but you'd be a, a real firebrand in the uh, in the Senate. It's Mark Bernovich, if you want to help, particularly if you're in Arizona, but he can use your financial support. It's Mark B for AZ.com, Mark B. Just like it sounds for az.com. All right, sir. You take care of yourself. Thanks, everyone. All Thank right. you. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, too. you know, we bring candidates on the program from all over the country. You might say, well, it's not New York. But then we have Lee Zeldin, who is New York and so forth. So we have candidates from Colorado, candidates from all over the country. It's very important. This is a national show. And it's the one national show that is mission-oriented. Mission-oriented. Mr. Producer is getting nervous. All right. We'll be right back. 
Mark Lovin. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let us go to my hometown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Rick, go ahead, please. Hello, Mark. Very good to talk with you. I just wanted to thank you for these many years of needed perspectives, reporting, and holding officials accountable for improper behavior. I really appreciate thank that. Thank you, sir. My reason for calling is that I hope that you can tell me that I'm completely incorrect about something I just learned today, that the oil that was to have been released from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve by our president in fact, was put up for bid in an auction to any international company registered with the Department of Energy. And back in March, supposedly a subsidiary of Sinopec, a Chinese mm-hmm. company, was the winning bidder. And in June, of 30 million barrel, barrels available, 5 million supposedly went out of the country. And even worse, knowing that our refiners are functioning on almost full capacity that even if the oil was released, that oil and diesel would never make it for use for a long period of time. Well, let me tell you, unfortunately, you're correct. Why hasn't Unfortunately, you're correct. Why hasn't And it's even worse. Hunter Biden has a relationship or did with that company. Yes. But if you listen, you know, to uh, major- yeah, pe- people don't remember uh, Warren Harding, and for good reason. But Warren Harding was president; he died in office, and they had the uh, oil scandal during his uh, presidency. Maybe I should discuss this at some length tomorrow. And uh, it caused a big problem: his Interior Department and so forth, and who were getting the leases, and who was profiting from the oil. Here we have a front company for the communist Chinese government that you're correct got millions of barrels of our oil out of our strategic reserve for emergencies (coughs) excuse me that Biden let out and went to a company that had a relationship with the Biden family now I don't know what you need you know you got this January 6th committee and all these crackpots running around, legal analysts, trying to create connections where connections don't exist. That's a straight line from A to B, is it not, sir? Absolutely. Where Absolutely. in Philadelphia are you? I'm right next to Valley Forge Park. Yeah, where? 16 miles King in of Prussia? King of Prussia. Yeah, of course. All right, my friend, you take care of yourself. Those were my old stomping grounds all over Philly, all over the suburbs. Let's go to the other end of the country. Vancouver, Washington, the great KTTH. Sally, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be on your show. My husband is a longtime listener, and he converted me into listening to you. It's a good Um, man. 
He's a very good man. Um, don't know what I was missing. Um, I'd like to talk about the abortion. Um, I don't tell people much, but when I was younger, um, I was actually raped and and had an abortion because I got pregnant by it. And I'm sorry. Um, yes. Yes. Um, um, my parents. I was I was very young. I was just just teen, and um, mm. my parents took me down to California, and I went to the restroom, and I actually delivered the baby. I was about. 28 weeks long because I was scared to death to tell anybody and I was in there by myself and I saw my little baby boy and it brought tears to my eyes and I cried and at that moment I knew I made a very big mistake and to this day um, many 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 years later um, um, I still think about it every day and if people would just see somebody who's 28 weeks that baby they would they would regret it i i regret it every day and let me, uh, let, let, me let me just say this to you you were put in a horrific situation and you suffered and you're still suffering and i'm very very sorry about this that you have to go through this even to this day did they ever catch this person who did that to you no, but I did find out that he got hit by a train and died. So, oh, too um, bad. Yeah. Um, my only, um, my I hope only he suffered. Is, <laughs> I Sally, don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm literally going to be pushed off the air here. You call back anytime you want. And God bless you, my friend. God bless you and your husband. And we salute all you folks out there. And I will see you tomorrow.